Carl has chosen the reading. I'm completely ignorant of, uh, of many things, including the nature of the reading that he's chosen. So uh, over to you. Okay. So different cultures have different conceptions of what intelligence is and how it manifests itself in everyday life. Whereas in Western culture, verbal fluency is admired. In contrast, the wall of tribe in Africa views people of higher social class and distinction as speaking less. This difference between the wall of and Western notions suggests the usefulness of looking at African notions of intelligence as a possible contrast to U.S. notions. Similar em emphasis on social aspe aspects of intelligence has been found as well among two other African groups, the Songhai of Mali and the Sami of Kenya. The Yoruba and other African tribe emphasizes the importance of depth, of listening rather than just talking to intelligence, and of being able to see all aspects of an issue or, and of being able to place the issue in its proper overall context. Studies in Africa, in fact, provide yet, yet another window on the substantial differences in conceptions of intelligence across cultures. In Africa, conceptions of intelligence revolve largely around skills that help to facilitate and maintain harmonious and stable intergroup relationships. Intra-group relationships are probably equally important and at times more important. For example, Chewa adults in Zambia emphasize social responsibilities, cooperativeness, and obedience as important to intelligence. Intelligent children are expected to be respectful of adults. Kenyan parents also emphasize responsible participation in family and social life as important aspects of intelligence. In Zimbabwe, one word for intelligence, nguare, actually means to be prudent and cautious, particularly in social relationships. Among the baule, service to the family and community and politeness towards and respect for elders are seen as key to intelligence. In Zimbabwe, conceptions of intelligence are also represented by Njere in Shona language and Ukalfile in the Ndebele language. The terms refer to behavior that is deliberate, socially responsible, positive, public spirit, and altruistic. They also mean wise, indicating that, as in Taiwanese and Chinese culture, wisdom and intelligence are seen as closely related. Behavior is considered intelligent to the extent it benefits the community as a whole. In a study of Kenyan conceptions of intelligence, it was found that there are four distinct terms constituting conceptions of intelligence among rural Kenyans. Reiko, knowledge and skills. Luora, respect. Winjo, comprehension, how to handle real-life problems. Paro, initiative, with only the first directly referring to the knowledge-based skills, including but not limited to the academic. That's the thing. That's it? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, there is a concluding line, like notions of intelligence in many Asian cultures as well as African emphasize the social aspect of intelligence more than does the conventional Western or IQ-based notion. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I like it, although I would just start by uh, having a little bit of a pushback. Um, I mean, I don't obviously know who wrote this, but I wonder if it wasn't a Westerner. Because it, uh, it, it's got this sort of modern anti-Western uh, thing implicit in there, in that even though I agree that we have difficulty defining the notion of intelligence, you know, in, in Western culture, if you want to uh, have such a broad label, I think that we all agree that all of those things are kinds of intelligence or are signs of intelligence. And I think if I went and cherry-picked a bunch of Western literature from a diverse range of fields over a long period of time, from, you know, psychology, philosophy, religious texts, etc., but all from within a Western framework, I would be able to find passages 
that uh, describe every single one of those things, and certainly the social intelligence, emotional intelligence, which is obviously a very big thing in psychology these days. Um, you know, I think I would be able to find people referring to all of those sorts of things as intelligence. And there has been a lot of pushback in the West against the notion of the IQ as the only, you know, as the ultimate measure of intelligence. You know, I think that's a very, it's, it's long since been an old fashioned idea. And there are still certainly people that champion it. And it certainly measures something which is related to certain kinds of, of, of functional intelligence, uh, which is why it will probably always have its champions. You know, it, it's a sort of abstract formalism for measuring a certain kind of intelligence, but like all formalisms, it doesn't capture the, the whole truth. Uh, it's, a, it's a coarse graining of some particular um, attributes which are considered desirable or intelligent or whatever. So I think, I think that there's a whole lot of stuff wrapped up in, in the language here, which, you know, has been... A lot of people have tried to tease apart this notion of intelligence. Of course, we could get onto the subject of animal intelligence as well, which I think is, a, is, a, is an interesting extension of this subject, which is a huge area in, in you know, contemporary Western uh, literature in science and, and in philosophical literature as well. So I don't think that those are ideas that are necessarily, you know, the implication seemed to be a little bit like these ideas are absent in Western culture and we need to look to these other cultures to bring them in. Now, obviously... I not, hmm. like, not necessarily agree with that. Okay. I would say that, you know, the core idea is that they're not so much of the absent, but if hmm. you, you know, plot what Westerners think of intelligence, there will be obviously you know, some deviations, right? But there will be like, you know, the core idea of what, you know, what we in Western culture think of it as intelligence. And that will be, you know, ability to uh, solve problems that are purely, you know, like abstract, right? In some, in, in one way or another. So the fact that, uh, you know, obviously there are a lot of people who are saying similar things, you know, that, uh, you know, to whatever Chinese or, you know, African people as in the, mm. what they what intelligent person would you know be but um what uh commonly is perceived as an intelligence is still you know some sort of you know knowledge-based academic intelligence right and the academic world is you know seen as the in a lot of cases as the apex of that intelligence mm -hmm. and this thing goes directly against it because a lot of academics, as you know, are socially awkward, right? A lot of academics won't respect their parents because from their perspective, parents are just stupid because they are more intelligent. They, they know more <laughs> stuff about maths or physics and their parents don't. Their parents are ignorant. While if you have the same attitude in those, you know, African tribes, you will be seen, I guess, as a fool because you don't respect your elders. Mm. And this is like... Basically, I guess the uh, interesting questions are, you know, that is several. First question is whether we can then restrict the notion of intelligence to, you know, academic intelligence, if we so wish to. Uh, and we can just say, hey, you know, what they mean is not what the world intelligence means. Or we then uh, go, I mean, kind of the way you suggested, and I think I, you know, I'm sympathetic to the idea that we extend the idea of intelligence, you know, further than just knowledge-based intelligence. I mean, kind of all intelligence will be, you know, knowledge-based intelligence anyway, right? Mm. But more like, you know, task-solving academic kind of intelligence, like IQ 
and you know related kind of intelligence well, so like emotional intelligence right so, but yeah i think i think that yeah. part of the issue here is that you know the word intelligence just like all other words is a bit of a blunt instrument so you know what it maps for 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 one person is not what it maps for somebody else and it doesn't map uh intrinsically any any you know part of of clearly you know of reality that is intrinsically delineated or separate from other things so i wonder about the impact of translation here as well because you know, you're taking words from from various other languages and translating them to mean intelligence, but then you're saying that intelligence, which is a, a word in the English language, doesn't capture the concepts that are represented by the equivalent word intelligence in the other culture, uh, and that seems yeah. to be a little bit problematic to me. <laughs> For, yeah, I mean that's that's one one of the worry, one of the problems that we can see here. But I mean, let's like. Let's just ignore it for a bit because, you know, if we <laughs> sure. don't ignore it, we can't go further with this, fair right? Enough. Yes, fair enough. So, I, look, I, I obviously agree with the, the sentiment there that there are a whole bunch of values which are very important and we can call them intelligence or we can call them respect for your elders which and nonetheless value them. We can, we can use lots of different words or phrases to describe them, but pretty much everything that was was listed there i mean I, I can't recall anything leaping out and me thinking that oh well that's not intelligent or you know or that's not desirable so i think it's yeah. it's quite easy to to agree with the central th if the, if the thesis is is neutral in the sense that it's not claiming that the west lacks these concepts of intelligence or of virtue or you know again we can find many different words it doesn't have to be the word intelligence that could be where the problem is coming from but yeah, I think that if the, if the central thesis is that the West lacks these concepts, then I I disagree. But if the central concept is that you know intelligence is socially um, defined, then of course I agree because all words are, uh, you know, it's all it's all part of a big a language game that we play with other people. You know, meaning is use. And, and, and all of that. The idea of the paragraph was, yeah, the idea of the paragraph was the cultural differences of yeah. the perception of intelligence more than, you know, it wasn't like West is lacking this. It's more like, you know, in the West, we, uh, you know, mostly deal with IQ-based intelligence mm. and in psychology, psychological studies especially, while these are things that other cultures, you know, think are equally important as intelligent features and sure. we should somehow maybe study them as well in a way absolutely and i think that that point is very well taken i think both the point that we should be studying these things and seeing how they relate to narrower concepts of intelligence perhaps if you want to describe it that way uh you know how quote unquote emotional intelligence might relate to rational intelligence and how without emotional intelligence you might you know lack in in other domains of intelligence and things like that and and how you know, working together, forming a cohesive society uh, is intelligent and rational, in fact. You know, so I reject, as you know, I've rejected many times to you in conversation that, you know, Jordan Peterson always likes to say how you can't, you know, pure rationality is, um, is, is a very dangerous thing, which, you know, of course I can agree with. Uh, however, he, he says that every man for himself is rational. And I completely disagree with that, you know, because 
it's rational to do the things that are going to be best for you, all things considered. And our evolutionary history suggests that we have evolved to live in groups because that has been better for us than living on our own. So when he says things like that, I think he ignores all the literature on reciprocal altruism and basically on, on you know, sociality in general because he wants to make a polemic point against an idea of, of, of purely rational behavior. But I don't think, you know, um, taking everything for yourself and, you know, every man for himself is necessarily rational um, or intelligent, clearly. So, yeah, I think if we if we do, you know, looking at other cultures and seeing that they might have placed greater emphasis on some other facet of intelligence, you know, maybe we acknowledge it, but maybe we don't explore it enough or, or perhaps we don't give it enough weighting or whatever. Looking at another culture and seeing that they weight it more uh, strongly is absolutely going to be beneficial to us. Yeah. But, I mean, especially in terms of what's especially interesting for me is the emphasis on the elders and the, mm. you know, family and society, right? Uh, because we don't quite have it. I mean, we used to have it in Western culture, obviously, but we don't have it now. I think that's and, I mean, like I mean, like, R Russia is trying to go back. It's like traditional values and all that stuff. Conservatism. So there is some, some notion towards it. Yeah, yeah, sorry, you were saying? Well, sorry, I was just... I was rudely interrupting after having spoken for a long time, but I was just saying conservatism, you know, those are conservative values and they are yeah. very, um, you know, influential, even though there's a lot of pushback against them. They are yeah, present. Yeah, but this is like my point, right? So that the dominance, you know, uh, Western, you know, kind of educated mode of being uh, somewhat not rejects directly those values, but it just discards them, it just disregards them. You know, the idea that you have to respect the elders no matter what, you know, and this is the idea of you have in Chinese, you know, in Confu mm. Confucianism, right? Sure. You have to respect people who are older than you just, you know, because they're older than you. They might be, you know, not as, you know, smart as you in some IQ-strict way, mm. but you have to respect them. They might make mistakes, but you have to respect them. We don't have it. And uh, the uh, question is whether we don't need to have it or whether we're missing on something that, you know, makes our society better and more cohesive. So, you know, maybe if uh, we were respecting our, uh, you know, elders, people who are older more, then, you know, we would have less social tensions, right? So, for instance, you know, now when the society, the pace of, you know, changes is just so absurd, um, you know, people who are like 60, 70, 80 years old, they can't deal with it, right? And they will be inevitably come out as, you know, socially inappropriate or socially awkward because, you know, they're trained in different realities and they, they're not versed in nobody's reality. And But instead, you know, like, you know, that biologist, I forgot his name, Hunt something, right? Something Hunt, uh, mm. who made a joke about, you know, the uh, women in lab laboratories and then he oh, was yeah. fired and he yeah. was like 70. And... I mean, we have to give them credit, right, in the way that they are all dudes. They're not, you know, adaptable to in such a way that, you know, young people are adaptable. Or, or old but we just, we just discard it. We just like, hey, you made a mistake. You are stupid. You know, we don't <laughs> care whether you are 70 or 20. Just, you know, fuck off. And I don't see that as being a good feature. But at the same time, mm. you know, maybe that uh, approach is what has given us all the progress that we have. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, 
being a bit of a of a, a broken record here, but I wouldn't say that we don't have it. I mean, you keep saying we don't have it. Yeah, you know, I mean, like me, we as in, like you know, I I clarified it as in, you know, liberal, educated kind of, you know, the smart, you know, kind of approach. What we as society consider, you know, like if you are educated, most of the time you're a liberal, right? If you're educated and liberal, you know, you will be thinking along certain lines. Yeah, Obviously, well, not all people will be thinking about along certain lines, yeah. but this is, you know, the kind of, um, yeah. You certainly might have a, a different view of principles, such as, you know, respecting your elders no matter what. You might have, uh, in some way, um, internalised, either consciously or unconsciously, the idea that these principles don't work across all circumstances, and I would... Frankly, I would argue that that's correct. But then having uh, internalized that, perhaps unconsciously, you some people then use it as a license to act out their own, uh, you know, there's, there's disrespectful behavior. And it's, it's as we've discussed before, you know, when, when people think they're on the moral high ground, they use that as an excuse to act in the most base ways possible. And similarly... There is a, there's certainly a phenomenon, I think, where people have absorbed this, uh, perhaps it's a Western ideal, that principles are, it's a progressive ideal, right? That, you know, principles don't necessarily apply in this brave new world or, or whatever. And they use that as a way of running a bit roughshod over other people. Because they say, oh, you think this is wrong for me to do this? Well, that's only because you're too bound up in some principle that is a relic from the past. And we need to transcend that because we're progressive. And I think, I think you know, you, you touched on it, that to some extent, that progressive idea is why, you know, Western culture has been so, quote unquote, successful, or at least it, it has, you know, embraced change We've, we've moved very, very rapidly. And of course, some people, you know, conservative people don't think that's a good thing. And progressive people think that that is. Yeah. And I'm not going to say it's good or bad. But so success might be the wrong word. Certainly, it's a kind of success. And there have been corollaries of that, you know, um, economical success, standard of living yeah. that, that have come along with that. And yeah, I think, you know, if you just measure it in terms of, you know, personal safety and mm. personal you know, ability as in, you know, diseases and, mm. you know, everything over that spectrum, you'll be like, yeah, that's success. But on the other hand, we have a lot of depression. We have a lot of people who are lonely, right? We yeah. have a lot of people who just live alone in their flat. And a lot of, you know, like I do, for instance, but <laughs> I'm, not that, <laughs> I'm not that depressed about it. But, you know, a lot of people are depressed. And a lot of people, you know, they just, you know, leave within their, you know, the one thing that they do most of the time, right? It will be, you know, they, some of them are programmers and some of them, they will be really, you know, smart in what they do, but they're so socially inept. And then they're just, they don't interact with people mm. and they're unhappy and they're lonely. Mm. And then, you know, they will just go and commit suicide. Some of them will, right? So the maybe then this is because we're lacking the emphasis that hey you know like there are things that you are yet to learn because that person doesn't think that he has things that he has to learn he thinks that society has to do something for him sure. he thinks that you know, society has to treat him deeper her differently while the trick is that he or she needs to learn what it is to be human in you know larger way 
I'm not saying it, you know, that, you know, you have to learn, otherwise you're, you know, nothing. <laughs> it's more like, you know, if you want to be happy, right? If you want to be, you need to connect with other humans. And mm. I like the emphasis of being, you know, of the uh, intelligence as also being an ability to connect with other humans. Sure. So if you are, if you don't have that connection, you don't treat yourself as being, you know, a smart ass. You're like, hey, you know, this is the thing that I can learn and this is the thing that I should learn and this is the thing that will help me to become, you know, a better and more intelligent person. Yeah, and well, and a, and a happier person ultimately. Uh, yeah, so social Yeah, social intelligence. And I think we're, we're fairly comfortable with the idea uh, these days that, you know, and I, you can you can look at people who are on the spectrum, as people like to say, um, you know, people with um, you know Asperger's type autistic disorder who who may be, and even people with with more severe autism who who might be you know savants in some area. You know they might be very brilliant mathematicians or brilliant musicians, but their social intelligence is is very very low, and those are just extreme. Uh, examples which allow us to to easily see that there there is a there is a spectrum here there is a trend here and certainly there is an issue with people you know by choice or because of some you know unfortunate uh, genetic proclivity for this or developmental disorder or whatever might cause it uh, who have a have a tendency to closet themselves away in some kind of life of the mind, or are only responsive to certain kind of stimuli and not others. And there is there is of course the question as to whether, uh, not thinking of of people who have really genuine uh, you know mental health issues there, but whether conservatives, you know, people who value the family, let's say, as some you know very very important ideal whether they are, in fact, on average, happier than progressives who perhaps think that the family is a thing of the past. And we, we certainly have this, this deep idea in the West that, you know, the individual is the unit of, you know, of suffering, of morality, of evil, as Jordan Peterson would say. Uh, you know, we, we have a kind of, of elevation of the individual Mm-hmm. And maybe that's less prominent in other societies. And many, many Western apologists, many people who, who like to sing the praises of the West, claim that this is the highest ethical principle that we have. And it's really the reason why the West is not only technologically superior, uh, but you know, intellectually and morally superior. But even within the West, there's a huge, huge battle in in philosophy and in science. I mean, you look at the level of selection debate in evolutionary biology and the difference between you know selection at the level of the individual or the individual as the vehicle for the gene um, versus the group selectionists and how vehement those kinds of debates can become. And in some sense, they are actually an instantiation of the... Um, this glorification of the individual, and really, yeah, yeah. if you follow that to its to its you know absolute um, uh, I don't know apotheosis, the apotheosis of that idea is some kind of reductionist metaphysics in which that you claim the real 
things in the world are the smallest things, are the fundamental things that make up the wholes. Those are the really real bits of reality, whereas the wholes yeah, um, are somehow yeah. less real. Um, so it's it's a kind of a, okay, a reductionist view. Enough, I can see how you can go there. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so if like if the you if the you know smallest unit of the system is where the system is, mm. you know, then you know individuals are you know more important than groups, and therefore. Uh, yes. Yeah, and particles are more important than a table. But at the same token, you know, uh, like we we seems to, we seem to be moving, you know, right now in terms of the cultural changes that we experience in you know last uh, like within this decade, are somewhat towards uh, having more you know group based identities and more mm. you know group consciousness and group blame and all of that, mm. which is interesting. And it's, but it's, I feel that it's done in the wrong headed way because we try to invent, reinvent it. And, you know, instead of, so it will take us quite some time to invent a group back. Mm. And because now, you know, we're trying to understand what a group is, you know. And so it's very, like, the notion is very contradictory within all those debates. For right? sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a deep, uh, there's a deep irony there that if, if you take the conservatives, to be the people who are, you know, talking about family values and group cohesion, and the and the uh, progressives to be the ones who are abandoning those I ideas. But then the progressives are fighting this identity politics and saying that we're all the same, and you know, pe that's generally considered. That, you know, the progressives are very left wing, and some people claim that that is receding into Marxism, or which is absolutely the glorification of the group over the individual all over again. So there's always mm -hmm. this kind of um, yeah. a robberous, you know, snake biting its own tail kind of thing going on. Yeah, it was all, you know, it always fascinated me how the communists, how the morale of the con uh, communists is actually the same as, you know, um, orthodox and Christian morale. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, the laws, you know, that they had were very much, you know, with exception of you should not say, you know, the name of your God, with exception of that and all, the, you know, the godly stuff, it was just, you know, the laws of, you know, freaking Moses. Like, <laughs> you know, homosexuality was a crime yeah. in the USSR. Yeah, so, I mean, like, even, even you the can't art. go more into this, right? Yeah, I mean, even even the degenerate art and, and, and all that, you know, formalism in art, the condemnation of modernism and, and all of that is very, very conservative. And, I, and that is kind of a funny thing. Absolutely. Um, here we are yeah. forging our way into this future, you know, boldly setting up novel arrangements and, and we're, we're trying to speed up uh, this this evolutionary process uh you know they the inevitable evolution or decay of capitalism and we're just speeding it up we're, we're just bringing the future uh closer but we're against all of this modern stuff yeah it's uh yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah. A, another paradox and it seems to, it see i don't want to say that this is you know a, a maxim that is always true or something like that but it does seem to be the case with so many uh and i i would like to call them word games or or whatever or you know ideologies would be a would be a, a common way of saying it but everyone would would uh, uncontroversially agree that marxism was an ideology or that you know that nazism or fascism were ideologies but they might not consider 
you know, reductionism and ideology, but it's like any ideology or any word game taken to an extreme in an attempt to say that this is the only word game, this is the only ideology that actually works, this is how reality is in fact is, at some point just becomes absurd. Uh, you know, at some point, yeah, I mean, it, it, it always has to bite its own tail, as do mm-hmm. And then you get these these bizarre and very contrary and paradoxical uh, conclusions that come out of that line of reasoning, where the thing that you were most trying to repudiate, the thing that you were running from, trying to escape, is exactly what you end up recovering if you follow that path long enough. Yeah, I think it's, you know, because each ideology, it kind of uh, uh, re, um, recreates the, uh, you know, levels of, uh, like, the steps that individual uh, person goes through, mm. you know, to the, uh, you know, greater, understa- greater understanding of, you know, himself and his role in this world. Mm, so, you, know, you can start at any point, right? So you have a things that you, you know, understand throughout your life, that A, that you exist, you know, B, that, you know, others exist, then that, you know, that you are important and you are, you. then you discover your ego, how to use your ego, then you transcend your ego, then you understand that, you know, hey, others are important as well, then you care for others, you understand the value of community and so on, right? But mm-hmm. you can basically start at any point here, but you will inevitably go through the whole circle given enough time. So if you start at the idea that ego is important, then given some time, you will come, you know, still bearing your logic and your, you know, unique way of, you know, connecting things, you will come to the point where, hey, group is equally important. And like, you know, this is time that, you know, Western civilization came to this, right? Through Mm -hmm. the idea that individuals are important. You know, then we have marginalized individuals. They're a group-based thing. We have to care about them. Therefore, we have to care about groups. So, <laughs> but you can equally start with the group and then come to the individual. Yeah. I so, mean, it's, it's a funny, uh, you know, how Haeckel, Ernst Haeckel, obviously was famous um, for saying that ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny. So the development of the individual recapitulates yeah. the evolutionary history of the species. I mean, it's kind of funny how what you're saying or what we're saying is that the you know the the um, intellectual or ideological evolution of the individual recapitulates cultural evolution in some sense? And so ontology does recapitulate phylogeny yeah. after all. Yeah, no, that's it's that's a very funny thing. Um, I think you know one of when one it goes of back, yeah yeah go ahead. No, I was just going to say. I mean, one of the problems seems to be intrinsically the idea that any one word game or any one set of formalisms if you want because this applies equally you know i always say this stuff but it applies equally to mathematics or or anything that any such description can encompass the noise that is actually you know that is actual the noise of reality it's it's complexity and its vagaries and and all of that is is the root of the problem you know that any that there's one exclusive way of, of of seeing things but how do we, mm-hmm. you know, how, we have to acknowledge that that, well, maybe we have to acknowledge that that is the problem. But at the same time, that's what the postmodernists believe. And, of course, they have their doctrine of relativism, which is completely bankrupt, you know, which is, which is worse than anything. Um, so it's, it's a funny, like, you, you can't uh, acknowledge this 
lack of exclusivity um, of any one given system by saying that therefore all systems are equal because that's also just another easy answer and uh -huh. what it always seems like really there just aren't any easy answers you know that yes you know you, there are realities full of paradoxes so you can't have a binary logic where you know um if uh, you know statements are true and false to the exclusion of each other in some very binary fashion because it's it's not always like that statements are true or false in context and again that you know it's it's that interdependency thing which is also before i go way off track trying to bring it back to the thing interdependency is is the same thing as social cohesion you know we need to be part of groups no man is an island um you, it's 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 amazing though how the more you 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 study and think about different kinds of descriptions of reality, the more you do discover kind of what you were just saying the same stories just told in different ways. So it's almost like discovering you know um, the monomyth of Joseph Campbell in some way. Yeah. And then that starts to lead you to believe that if I just had the right distillation of that monomyth, then in fact I would have a system which described all of reality because all these yeah. systems... Yeah. So again, you'll be going... Well, in the fact, the only, the only real thing is just the monomyth. So, you know, <laughs> if, you were, if you strip yourself from the explanation of the monomyth, you kind of, this is what actually, you know, is there, I guess, in some sense. Mm. Uh, well, like to the you know um, cultural cohesion and to the uh, you know intelligence back. Yeah. Uh, I guess you know the uh, what is definitely you know true about Western culture is that uh, our families in here are smaller. I mean, I guess Western families are even smaller because Russian families are actually quite big usually. Um, so Western families are small. You know, there's like you know father and mother and the generation of the children. And as mm. soon as the children you know are seventy or eighteen, they usually go to college and then they usually you know are free. So, and at the same time, you know, there is no like the education in school and in university obviously you know emphasizes uh, studying of the um, knowledge-based uh, intelligence, right? So it's like maths, you know, languages, maybe, then you have, you know, sciences, you and you, you have your, you know, social sciences, right? So either, at no point you're basically taught how to behave with other people mm -hmm. unless it just happens, you know, while you are interacting with them. So you learn only on your own experience while all the other things that, you know, are considered, you know, smart things, right? Like the things that will, if you have them, they will uh, need you to be intelligent, like knowing maths, knowing sciences. We study them based on the experience of other individuals. We study them based on books, based, you know, lectures, anything. So we have a, you know, a spread of knowledge based on that, but we really disregard a wisdom. Like it's just non-existent, right? The uh, disrespect for philosophy for, for once mm. is the... Uh, you know, indi indicator of that. So it's, but if, but it, the West, you know, it has at least, I think, you know, maybe I'm completely wrong. East, East, East has at least, uh, <laughs> East has at least, East at least has 
uh, the uh, you know bigger families, mm. like you interact with just more people on you know general. You have some ingrained principles on how you should behave, whether they're right or wrong. That's a different thing, but they give you a framework, and uh, you have somewhat higher regard for philosophy, at least you know, like in say Buddhist countries, or you know, in Japan and Shintoistic countries, right? So mm. in one country where there is a Shintoism, uh, there is a respect for. Uh, traditional Tradition. wisdoms, right? Yeah. There is a respect for some wise things in general. While in the West, if it's not uh, science or maths or anything, it can be just disregarded. Yeah, I mean, there's that, returning to our topic of last week, it's funny how when speaking of these, you know, traditions from other countries, the derogatory term was used that the, these are not philosophy these are wisdom traditions as, as though like uh, you know that's in fact a slap down you know being being about wisdom is is a slap down uh you know yeah. I, I certainly agree we have a less uh intergenerational interdependency in the west you know like we kids become independent from their parents and, you know, my, my father is adamant that he would never want to be looked after by his kids, you know, whereas certainly, you know, the time that I've lived in Asia and, and you know, being close with, with families there, it's obviously expected that the kids are going to, going to grow up and become the carers of the parents and the parents are going to live in the home that is provided by the children. So the parents, therefore... Uh, and you know this may not be true across the board obviously but the parents are giving everything to their kids they're not saving that nest egg for retirement because it's expected that the kids who have been given everything who have you know have bankrupted the parents are going to go out and when they are now the the breadwinners they're going to be supporting the parents and so there's that yeah dependency across generations but the interesting thing though is that we also now have this very acute concern for overpopulation. And so, you know, advancing an ideal of having a larger family, uh, that can be looked at in different ways. It doesn't have to be a, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a large family based extended. on your kids. It yeah. can be a large family based on your, you know, siblings, based on your aunts and uncles. Sure. Sure, but if you if you it can be that thousands, like you know, in West, for instance, you know, like in you know America, I think in Australia, same in England, cousins are like distant relatives. Mm. In you know Russia, they're close relatives. Like you know, they are really close relatives. Like I would call them brothers and sisters, right? I wouldn't differentiate mm. between my cousins and my siblings. I think that's very so... context dependent because I think you know, in my case, that is somewhat true. But that is because I moved a lot as a kid. You know, my parents traveled around. They had the expatriate lifestyle. So I didn't have that close connection with my, with my cousins. I mean, I, you know, I am, I, I see my cousins whenever I'm in England and we are close. And we, there's a, there is a certain bond there that I don't share with, you know, people who are not of my family, generally speaking. But certainly they're not like siblings. But... It, I think it really depends. I think within the West you have, it's more, maybe it's just more diverse. And again, I don't want to say that it's not diverse in, in the East. It, it really, it's the author of the, um, of the original reading who is essentially claiming that this is the way things are in other cultures, but not in the West. 
Whereas I think in the West, we have all of that stuff, but we also have other things. And maybe some of those things are not dominant right now, but they have been dominant and they might become dominant again. So I think there are, there are very close-knit families in the West, close-knit extended families, uh, where you know cousins are like siblings. Uh, and I think that there are, there are families where perhaps it's particularly a thing with you know, the, the baby boomers and their kids that a sizable percentage of people in that generation decided to just travel and leave their families behind. And, you know, again, I'm sure that's the thing that's it's been going on for a lot longer than this. But people now have this idea of having the most diverse set of experiences possible within their lives. And in order to have that, that necessarily means that you're going to spend a lot of time away from the family home or the town that you grew up in. So families become fragmented, not because people don't respect their families. You know, my mother really would have loved us to, she was always very sad that we didn't have this closer connection to our extended families. But people have made a compromise. People have made a trade-off and they've said, well, you know, going and living in other countries and giving our children the experience of other cultures is ultimately more valuable to us uh, than giving them this very settled uh, life in, in you know one neck of the woods with their with access to their family and with also it's not just family in that sense it's it's the friends you know I know people that have have not moved and you know they're in their thirties now like like me like us and they still have the friends that they had when they were you know tiny little kids because they grew up in the same town they went to the same schools all the way through and they maintained those connections my childhood was very fragmented in that sense i moved around a lot and so i could definitely say that i have suffered from the uh inability to to no, not to make long-term friends i mean i have lots of very long-term friends but i i don't have that kind of community that is a larger cohesive community i have relationships with with people like you for example where i feel completely comfortable i could say anything and you're you're like a family member in that sense i could say anything to you and we could we could go through anything and then we would still you know respect and and care for each other after that there are people who 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 grow up with a, a group of friends which are like that and there's certain i'm sure there's a massive you know benefit to having a tribe like that where you can just do anything i, I would think i would think that it helps a lot to actually you know develop as a human somewhat faster yeah. that you know certain wisdoms about things will you know come more natural to you right like for instance you know I would think the value of other humans would come in no earlier than that because I see, I mean, I saw it in myself that, you know, I wasn't valuing uh, humans, other humans anywhere close to, you know, what, you know, a human should, mm. right? And uh, I see that in a lot of, uh, you know, like my colleagues, right? And, you know, just people in science, people, you know, especially working in biology or ecology, they have this, you know, almost, you know, these, you know, uh, like distaste for other humans. They like, you know, oh, humans are not valuable, you know, humans, yeah, there are individual humans that I like, you know, like my friends, mm. but in general, humans are really bad. And yeah, you don't, like, you know, the less humans are on this planet, the better, you know, the fewer humans I have around me, the better, and so on and so on and so on. 
And I think, like, I was like this, right? So I think um, <laughs> I remain this silent, is yeah. just the step of the development that you know you, yeah. but you go through that faster if you have more human interactions. And I know mm. that, you know, the, um, like, my neighbors from, you know, my childhood house, they had, um, I remember that we had those conversations when we were, you know, 13. And they were, like, telling me, hey, you know, look, people are the most valuable thing ever. And I'm like, fuck off, you know, animals <laughs> are way better than humans. Humans should die and so on. <laughs> so, like, the, and they had that understanding, you know, back when they were 12. Mm. It took me, you know, another 10 years maybe to get to that point because they had just more human interactions. They would, you know, uh, all like they would be running in, you know, small uh, groups all the evening, you know, just playing games and doing stuff while I was, you know, learning things. And so they were learning other things and they were learning how to, you know, socialize in a better way than I was learning. So, uh, like, but still, you know, what really, you know, bonds me is, is that we still have only one way to learn this thing through doing it, through, you know, interacting with other people. And uh, then you are limited to, if you don't do that, you don't learn it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, which is, then becomes detrimental to you and then it becomes detrimental to society because then society is compromised of individuals who can't really build society. But also, even if you learn through interaction with other humans, you're mostly um, limited to the insights that are shared within this group. Exactly. So you can't have insights that, you know, we're having by other groups because yes. you're not interacting with them. That's and exactly that, I think, you know, where I wanted to pick up yeah. uh, before Yeah, you... hold on. Like, I'll, I'll just, you know, finish my point. Uh, the... Uh, and we see now that in the internet, which is very interesting because now we have this, uh, you know, playground for, you know, communal understanding. And we see that right now the dominant, uh, you know, psyche, the dominant consciousness of it is basically the, the uh, consciousness of a, like, you know, a teenager or a 12-year-old dude. It's like, a you know, like victim-based, <laughs> offense-based thing. You can't transcend offense. You have to re uh, retaliate. If any, if there is any slight against you, you have to retaliate and break them down. And you know, there is no remorse. There is no uh, like you know forgiveness. Like this is the way people would think when they're ten, eleven, twelve, right? <laughs> yeah. And we see that on the scale of humanity because it's the group that is making it in a way, right? This is kind of you know the um, like where individuals of you know who are making that are at because they are under underdeveloped in this way perhaps <sighs> perhaps yeah. um yeah I, so i wanted to 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 respond to the the first half of what you were saying which is that people grow up and learn to value humans more and and then you obviously you came around to touch sort of what i was going to say people grow up and they learn to value humans that are similar to them and so there's a lack of diversity there, which we now view as a, as a very real problem. So in very homogenous societies where people never travel, never get out, never see people with, with I mean, part of the original uh, reading that you, you know, we, we're discussing is, is that we need to have a, a diversity. We need to respect other cultures' um, definitions of intelligence because we have a lot we can learn from them and i think that there's an obvious truth there that you want 
to, you know, diversity is very good in some ways. Uh, what you have when you have a very homogenous community is you often do have a high level of, you know, intra-community social cohesion. And, look, you know, Scandinavia has been a classic example of that until recently where they've been, you know, more immigrants have been, have been accepted there. But you may have a community that can't understand what lies beyond, can't understand other cultures, doesn't value those members of other cultures as though they are, you know, humans and, and you know, equally valuable and also doesn't value their ideas as though they are philosophy or whatever it might be or worth paying attention to. So again, there's this kind of push-pull dynamic where growing up in those, those tight-knit social groups that grow up together, you know, go through all these um, age periods together, uh, develop together, you can... There are great benefits from that. I absolutely think that there are. But the people who who grow up in that way you know i don't, I don't i'm certainly not going to point any fingers but they can be a little bit more likely to be you know bigots uh they may be less likely to understand ideas that come from outside their insular domain of influence so so i think that, again there's a problem there you need admixture you need diversity travel is a great thing and I, I think it's a very good thing that people have embraced travel so much. But just like anything, when you embrace one thing to the nth degree, you end up excluding other things. And so we need to recognize the value both of having this, you know, uh, cohesive community, but also that community being inclusive. And so on the, on the Internet thing... I guess the ideal, the idealization of that, the ideal, um, the idealist view of that was that it was going to be this community of the world, you know, that it was going to be incredibly inclusive and, and everyone exposed to the ideas of everybody else and, and, you know, the best ideas winning out in this kind of evolutionary battle. And hey, it still could be that. But we're just seeing the, the things that we have yet to transcend like our you know tribal origins like the fact that we generally see people who are similar to us and share our views as more valuable um we're just seeing that manifest in an environment in which people it's like driving a car you know people are very aggressive behind the wheel of a car because they're not in direct contact with people so the worst behavior comes out. And the internet is like this to the nth degree. You know, you can, you can be a troll, you can sit, you can snipe, you can say the nastiest things on YouTube or wherever it might be, on any forum, on Twitter. And there's very little possibility that of, of this having an impact, like of you losing anything. There's no punishment for being an arsehole anymore because you're not sitting in front of someone who might... Well, play, you know. Yeah? Yeah, in a way, but then, you know, if you tweet something, then, you know, there is a publicly shamed, and, sure. and the people are trying to bring you down. And they obviously yeah. can't bring you down if you're a 17-year-old dude, but they pretty much can bring you down yeah. if you're 35 or 40 or whatever year old well, dude. Well, so. if you have a career or if you are very <laughs> invested in your public persona, as, you know, yeah. many, many people are, um, then you are vulnerable in this domain. 
But if you are not invested in your public persona or if you have accounts which are not associated with your public persona in which you can act out, which is the vast majority of people on the Internet, you know, you've got a small yeah. number of, of celebrities of all different kinds, and then you've got, you know, the masses of, of, of humanity. And those people but those are masses, not really constrained. They still have jobs, and they can lose sure. their jobs. And sure. they, they do occasionally lose their yeah. jobs for no, the, some, you know, weird, weird or unnecessary comment on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, what, what, I'm, like, what I'm interested in is seeing whether there will be, you know, a collective learning of that. Because yeah. right now the stage of the discourse is like, you know, they're throwing shit at us, let's throw shit at them and make sure that they're buried in shit. And <laughs> I, I'm just wondering if we can go further than that, not just, you know, throwing more shit, but in just, just kind of becoming better and more adult. You know, yeah. as a whole, as I think it's the, inevitable. You know, community. I think it's inevitable. And it's it's another. It's going to be another. You know, ontogeny recapitulating phylogeny thing. Yeah. That um, we will. But then, because. But but then you know the question is whether then the new dudes you know new you know like teenagers in you know twenty thirties whether they will be then indoctrinated into this global you know community that has grown out to become and to be respectful to you know have forgiveness to understand there is you know uh, if you are tolerant you have to be tolerant to intolerance and so on whether there they then will go and embrace that or whether they will uh, create a community of their own and then go through all the same steps again. Well, I think a bit of both, man. I think that they will act out as teenagers do and have every right to. And, and there's, there's a great truth in the fact that whatever works for your... And, and it's more true now than ever. Whatever works for your parents as they move through the world now as adults, if you're a, if you're a you know, five or a ten-year-old kid now... That's not going to work for you in the same way when you are forty. So that's yeah. uh, so th that progressive evolution has to keep occurring, and part of the the way that happens is that the youth rebels against the conservative values of their elders, and I mean that's that's very natural. It's very necessary, uh, and but it can be it can become extreme. It can become a huge problem. But it's also not something we can or would wish to do without. So once again, we find ourselves in a noisy system where there's there's going to be, you know, negative consequences to to um, progressivism, if you want, or evolutionism, uh, and there are going to be negative consequences of conservatism, and there are going to be positive consequences of both of those things. I mean, I I think, and I think your example actually of people losing their jobs and all that for things that they've said on social media is actually a really good example of this. I think as we, uh, and that's been going on for quite a long time, of course, but as we, as our online lives become more and more integrated with our offline lives, and I'm glossing over the fact that there are a huge number of issues associated with this process at the moment, and I completely agree with that, and I feel it myself. You know, I hardly ever go on social media now because I, I find it to be quite difficult for for all these reasons. But I think as those things become more integrated and as it becomes more transparent, so as you, you know, you have an account that is more associated with your your basically your real life because your real life is more online and maybe with higher bandwidth and things, people are now you know more embodied online as well so maybe there's more video communication or it doesn't matter whatever it is but there's there's more reality to that medium 
then I think that the the norms which have evolved separately over and over again, but have also evolved over very long time periods of human cultural evolution, will come to dominate in that sphere as well. Uh, I mean, I'm optimistic about that. And again, I'm not saying that those norms are ideal or are perfect or whatever, but there there is a framework um, that can't be easily described even, but there are values which are you know good and positive and, and can be valued they're not they don't hold true in 100 percent of circumstances so you need to be flexible with all of your principles but nonetheless i think the same norms will in, will probably evolve in that environment as they have in every other environment of human discourse yep <laughs> i guess we can we can stop here <laughs> i think that's